You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara in St. Catharines, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestniagara.ca. Turn with me to Ruth chapter 4, please, if you don't have a Bible. I encourage you to slip your hand up and one of our ushers will get a copy of God's Word into your hands. We want you to follow along. If you're here for baptisms and you even know, uh, never had one of these books before, you don't know what it is, we encourage you to take it home and start reading. Don't know where to start reading? Start reading in the Gospel of John and just ask God that he'd show you what this all means and uh, we know he will. Let me explain for you this morning uh, Ruth chapter 4. And it's the last of a four-part sermon series in this little book of Ruth. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, helping me? Joshua, Judges. There we go, Ruth. Just so, uh, no excuse to not get there. Ruth, chapter 4. We're finishing off this book. It's an exciting day. Why is it exciting? Not because we're done with Ruth and out and on the next, to the next, the next series, but the best part of any book is a conclusion, is it not? As it brings the ups and the downs, the twists and the turns into proper perspective and helps everything make sense to us. Isn't it true? Miss the climax, miss the story. You miss the end of a movie. You're like, what happened? What happened? Miss the end of a good book. Like, we don't know. It doesn't really have the fullness. And so we can't afford to miss the ending of the book of Ruth. First thing a person remembers of a movie or novel is the last thing that's written, whether good or bad. This is a great ending. This is a great ending. This really helps us see how God has put a bow on this sweet story of how he providentially leads Ruth and Naomi on this winding, unpredictable path to a place where they encounter a redeemer. This is real-life drama better than any best-selling novel. It goes from suffering to salvation, Ruth and Naomi, from helplessness to hope, from poverty to promise, from bitterness to blessing, from loneliness to love. But yeah, don't miss this, don't miss this. Bigger than even the story of this chapter, these few chapters is the story that this is really trying to unfold for us, the redemption story of you and I, your, your redemption story, my redemption story in Jesus Christ. This is really what Ruth is about, not just about a nice little story of way back when, but this is showing us what our redemption looks like in Jesus Christ. That's why we get so excited about the book of Ruth. And just like this story, there are times of weeping and confusion Joy and elation, suspense, and unexpected, unexpected on our road to ultimate redemption. Just like this story, there will be those in our lives, but ultimately we know that this is going to end in redemption for us in Jesus. So this last chapter is just really, I've entitled this Beautiful Redemption. This all culminates where our lives in Jesus Christ culminate when we accept him as Lord and Savior and then ultimately we one day see him in glory. And so let me read for you Ruth chapter four and then I'm gonna help you understand this a little bit because there's a lot of things in here I'm not sure you'll get right off the bat and I'm gonna help you understand it then I'm just gonna unpack it, I pray for you in a way that applies to your heart. So Ruth chapter four. Don't wanna miss a word of this, God has it for us. Boaz redeems Ruth. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friends, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down, and then he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I'd tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here, and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you'll redeem it, redeem it. But if you'll not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. 
So this guy says, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz says, the day, by the way, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, little wrinkle in the plan, right? I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he took off his sandal. And then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are my witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamer bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. Verse 15, I love this one. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And then get this. Here's the genealogy of David. This is significant, and I'll explain it to you at the end, but you can't miss this. Now, these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon and Nashon fathered Salmon, Salmon, Boaz, Boaz, Obed, Obed, Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. And we know that 25 branches down that family tree later came to us, Jesus. And so this is a big deal, not just for Ruth and Naomi, but for us and our salvation too. And so uh, I know there's a lot here to explain, so let me just try and paraphrase this for you to help you first understand what's going on and then how this applies to our lives. First thing I want you to write down about this verse, this chapter is this, my redemption has been completely secured. My redemption has been completely secured. For those of you who are just joining in on this, on this study with us, just to help you catch up where we are, because I know this is sort of like, where did this come from? Here's what's happened. Ruth chapter one, Naomi and her husband Elimelech are living large in the sort of Christian bubble, and famine came, and so they decided, you know what, this isn't working for me, I'm gonna figure it out on my own, and left for the land God told them not to go to Moab, and so they went, and disaster happened, just like it always happens, we step out of God's sovereign care, and Elimelech dies, two sons die, left Ruth high and dry, distraught. God lifts the famine over in his land. Naomi's coming back. Ruth's like, I'm coming too. In the midst of all this, Ruth comes to know God as her God. And so she comes back, they get back, and, and Ruth immediately goes to work to try and figure out how to make this thing happen. God providentially leads her right into the path of Boaz, a kinsman redeemer. Explain that a little later, but kinsman redeemer. 
And so out of this, like all of a sudden, New Hope Pump comes, and Naomi's like, what? This could change everything. We don't have to be poor and, and on, in this land with, with no one to love us anymore. And so she comes up with this little plan, a kind of a mother-in-law plan, which wasn't the best plan, but it was a plan. And yet God even used that to supersede and jump in. And what ultimately happens is Ruth and Boaz are face-to-face in a field somewhere at midnight. Weird, but you have to read, listen to chapter 3, sermon. Ruth says, like, will you marry me? Boaz is like, yes, I will, but problem is there's somebody else that's first in line to be your kinsman redeemer. He's like, but don't worry, I'll get after it first thing in the morning. This is first thing in the morning, chapter four. And so what happens in the morning is Boaz fulfilling his promise to Ruth. And so in the morning, he gets up and he didn't just, you know, put this little promise on hold. He's not adding it to his agenda for the day. This is his agenda for today. Hey, what's on Boaz's agenda for today? It's, I'm going to redeem Ruth. And so he heads to the city gates, which is the town hall back in that day where all the business actions took place. And, and when, if you want to make a deal in that day, where did you go? You went to the, to the gates, and that's where the elders or the leaders of the city were, and they were oversee all transactions and make, them, make any deals firm that went down. It's sort of like us taking our mortgage to the lawyer and saying, hey, can you solidify this? Us taking our, our car purchase agreement to the banker and saying, can you like, put your stamp on this? Can you sign off on this and make it official? So that's really what he's doing at the gate. He's not just like, I'm going to go hang out at the gate today, and it's not like going to go hang out at Tim Hortons today and see what happens. He's going to like, make this official. And as he gets there, look at, verse, look at verse 1. As he gets there, behold, we've seen this before, right? <laughs> what? Just so happens that... This guy that he is in first in line with Ruth, he just so happens to be walking by. <laughs> Isn't that special? We've already learned that nothing happens in God's economy. This is just God going like, get to the gate, and he's just maneuvering the big giant chess pieces of the chess match all in the right time, right way, so that he's going to win. So Boaz sits down. This guy happens across, and so um, he's like, hey, why don't you sit over here? I got something to say to you. The guy's like, all right. Grabs 10 elders, like, hey, you guys, you 10, you, 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 up to 10, sit over here. We got to, like, make this deal happen, so why 10? 10 is what it took to have a quorum or to make this whole deal official, so there's no shady business of, like, one guy, you know, 10 guys had to oversee the whole process. So they sit down, and, and he basically spells it out. It says to, to the unnamed guy, Boaz, hey, look, here's the deal. Naomi's back with land, so she had land before she left, obviously, and she's going to sell it now, probably because she had to make money to survive, and you're next in line. Do you want it? This guy's like, hey, land? Hard land has to come by. I'll take it. Everyone's like, no, right? It's not supposed to go this way, but Boaz, he's like calm and cool and coy, you know, and he's like, you just see the little smile on his face. He's like, all right, all right, you can have it, you can have it, but just one thing. With the land comes, da-da, Ruth. <laughs> this guy's like, mm-hmm. Part of the whole thing, part of the whole thing, this land thing is way back then, it wasn't just that the husband died, the brother would take the wife to perpetuate the family line, but it was also like if they had land, the next in kin could also buy the land, and that also worked in the same way. So here, here's what's going down, and the guy's like, uh-oh, that's all fine and dandy, but, but this is going to mess up my inheritance. That means if I take her too, then she's going to have kids, and then her kids will want what my kids have as an inheritance, and it's going to mess everything up. It's like, nope, I'm out. You know the reason why this guy is unnamed? Because he's lame. <laughs> I'm serious. He's shameful and disgraceful. All he's thinking about is what? 
Just thinking about me, right? It's going to mess me up. He's not thinking about anything or nothing about what God calls him to. He learned that. Nothing about what God calls him to care for the poor and, and do this as a noble deed. And so that's why he has no name, because God did not want his name going any further than this chapter. Seriously. And so he's like, I'm out. Boaz is like, little smile, big smile, sweet. Let's seal this deal. It wasn't like signing a piece of paper and like a stamp on it. So what they did back then is they took a sandal off. And so he's like, take my dirty old flip-flop. This is going to, right? Take my flip-flop. This shows that I'm giving you the, the right. So Boaz gets to carry a dirty old flip-flop all day to show that it's my land. And this other guy's like strolling around without a flip-flop. Deuteronomy 25 is talking about, if you write down Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 to 10, this is actually a significant thing that's happening here. This is, this is when the, there was a, a kinsman redeemer in line for a woman. This is what would happen if, if he refused, if he refused to take the woman that he was legally obligated by God to take, it was a shameful thing. And so they, they actually, in Deuteronomy, said they'd rip the flip-flop off, and the woman who got dissed would actually go up and spit in his face. And then this guy would be walking around all day without a flip-flop as a disgraceful thing, you know? We don't see the spit thing in here, but here's how this deal was signed. With a sandal and a big spitball, probably. And we have, finally, though, we have, as weird as this whole thing goes down, we finally then have, we got to the point where everything worked out as God intended. Isn't it weird how God sometimes does stuff? Not the way we would do it or plan it, but ultimately everything gets out as, gets to the point of where everything works out as God intended. If this was a movie, here's where the lights would come on, the music would blare, the confetti would come down, there'd be tears and hugging and you like the big celebration. This is the wedding moment. Weird kind of wedding, but this is it. And then it ends, this first 12 verses ends with this. It's a prayer and a blessing for Ruth and Boaz and really for Ruth. And the prayer and the blessing is this, that her offspring would build Israel. So like that God would do something new in her. Like Rachel and Leah, like Tamar. Rachel and Leah were Jacob's two wives that are mothers of the tribes of Israel. And Tamar is the one that she got a child in an odd way. But Genesis 38, you can look it up but that God used to carry out his plans through each of these women to carry out his heritage through these women. And so this is the, this is the marriage ceremony. This is the like, for those of you mushy, mushy people, you're like, oh, how so sweet, right? It's so perfect. It's like a little romance. Boaz's honor and integrity and care and respect and purity before God and Ruth. It's so, it's so heartwarming. And, and then Ruth's determination and her sincerity and her devotion and her purity and her zeal. Guys are like, girls are like, oh, this is sweet. It actually came through. Guys are like, couldn't they have fought or something for her, you know? Give some action to the book of Ruth. But in reality, this is the whole purpose of Ruth, to, to see the ultimate redemption of Ruth. That's why God gives the books, that we could see a redeemer. Remember I told you chapter one, this is all about redemption. This is all about redeemer. 23 times, redeem, redeemer, redeemed. This is a story of how Boaz is purchasing, that's what redeem means, to buy back, purchasing Ruth's life to take as his very own, which is a foreshadowing of what Jesus Christ has done for us in purchasing our lives to take us as his very own. See, we can miss the big story on this and we just get so caught up in the little realities of what's going on there. Yeah, there's some significant things. It's pretty cool, but ultimately, ultimately, it's Boaz 
paying a price for Ruth to take her as his very own. This, this is astounding, don't you think? Somebody willing to selflessly put themselves on the line for another person. You know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of the, the, the slave traders way back when, the, the, the abolitionists who would try and free slaves way back when. My son is reading a book right now, The Underground Railroad, and I think I've told you before, I've always loved those books. We brought it home, and he's like, guess what we're reading, Dad? I'm like, I love that book. He's like, uh, you're like 40 now? Like, do you remember what it says? I'm like, absolutely, I do. Julie and Liza? He's like, that's weird, Dad. <laughs> but those books always intrigued me because there's something about the, not, not the slaves, but the people who would like give up their lives sometimes to see free slaves being freed, and, and so... As I thought about that, this is, sort of, this is sort of the same picture, right? Someone buying somebody else to set them free. And it reminds me of that, which is a, always a, wow, that's cool. Someone to do that for someone else. But even greater than that, this is a picture of what reminds me of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross of Calvary. Boaz of Bethlehem, he was a pretty good guy. Anyone who's bought a slave and set them free, they're decent people, but there's one that is greater than all good men put together, and that is Jesus Christ. That is Jesus of Nazareth. Don't forget, this story is really ultimately about Jesus Christ setting us free, and everything we see about Boaz in here, don't don't get this mixed up again. We are not Boaz, we are Ruth. We all want to put ourselves in as the, the, the Boaz, but we are Ruth, and the, the point of this story is that Jesus Christ is Boaz, and in Boaz, we see a glimpse of the perfection of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And so I just want to point out four things from here, that these, these first 12 verses that we can see about our beautiful Redeemer as Ruth looks at her beautiful Redeemer. Can you imagine, can you imagine Ruth in this point? She... She's probably a little hardened by now from all the things that have happened. She, but, but can you imagine? She's, she's probably just like on the floor, mushy, gushy. with like, I can't believe that you'd redeem me, Boaz. This is a life changer. For me. Can you imagine how that propelled her love for Boaz? This is what I ought to be doing in our hearts as we realize this is a picture of Jesus. Here, here's a picture of my beautiful redeemer. Number one, I want you to realize this about Jesus. He's a promise keeper. Jesus is a promise keeper. As Boaz is to Ruth, so Jesus is to us. As Boaz kept every promise he gave to Ruth, so Jesus keeps every promise to us. And by promise keeper, I don't mean this, because I know you're like thinking that men's conference that happens or used to happen once a year. But not that Jesus goes to a men's conference and gets all hyped up making commitments that he may not or cannot keep, but meaning this, if he said it, you can absolutely count on him doing it 100% of the time. When Ruth went to sleep that night, she knew that Boaz was going to do what he said. When we go to sleep at night, we can realize that Jesus will do what he said he would do. And Jesus, Jesus didn't just go to the gate. You know where he went? He went to the cross of Calvary to Fulfill his promise to us of salvation. Jesus actually went as far as anyone could possibly go in this life to prove that he loves us and to show his love for us and to show that his promises are true. It says in Isaiah that that here's what Jesus promises us. He promises that anyone who's spiritually thirsty can come to him and drink. And he promises he'll give us to drink. He promises if anyone's spiritually hungry, he can, we can come to Jesus. He'll give us food, spiritual food for our souls. He promises that anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. Jesus is a promise keeper when he says in his word that if you turn to me and come to me for salvation, you can be sure that I will redeem you. 
Jesus is also this. He has a genuine heart. Boaz, he's not just fulfilling his duty here. We know. We know what's happening. We, we studied this already. He was obligated by God to care for the poor, to take care of this woman. As a kinsman, as a kinsman redeemer, he's obligated to take her as his wife. But don't miss this. There is an urgency in his step and a spring in his step because the intention of Boaz's heart goes far beyond, goes far beyond simply fulfilling an obligation. Boaz has a genuine heart for Ruth just like Jesus has a genuine heart for you and I. And Boaz willingly put it on the line for Ruth because he loved her. That's what his unselfish act was. It was an act of love for, his, for Ruth. And Jesus' unselfish act of love for us comes because he has a genuine heart for us. Don't get this mixed up. Jesus wasn't didn't go to the cross because he's like, all right, God, you told me I have to go to, he- go to earth and die on the cross. All right, God, it's on my job description. If you say I have to do it, I guess I will do it. There was an element of Jesus like, God, whatever you want, I will do. And if it's for your glory, I'll do it. But here's the heart that propelled Jesus. It wasn't out of duty. It was out of love for you and I that he was willing to go and not stand at the gate, but let his hands and his feet be nailed to a cross. What would compel Jesus to do that? It tells us in 1 John 3.16. It was a profound love and a pure compassion for you and I. By this we know love. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. It was his love that compelled him to lay down his life for us. It was his love that saw us lost, spiritually dead, morally sick. It was his love that saw us in our predicament and caused him to leave heaven and come to earth, from earth go to the cross, from the cross to the grave, and from the grave to the sky, as the song says. It was his love for you and I. And this is why, as the song continues, we lift his name on high. Because Jesus has a genuine heart for us, as Boaz did Ruth. Another truth you can't miss in this. Let these sink in. I know I get excited and I go fast, but let these sink in. I just got to pause for a minute. Do you realize what I just finished telling you? Jesus went to great lengths to show us his love for us. There is no other love on this planet. I know some of you look for it and you long for it and you're looking for it in all the wrong places, but this is the place where we find a genuine heart that loves you as you are and loves you too much to leave you as you are. How do I know that? Because the next point is what's important too, because he legally purchased you. Notice this in this text. This is an official legal transaction that Boaz carried out on behalf of Ruth. And Jesus' redemption also involves an official spiritual legal transaction in your case. Because in both cases, the law could not be bypassed. It had to be satisfied for the deal to be sealed. And so ultimately what salvation is, is Jesus 
Because God can't overlook our sin, Jesus came to legally pay the penalty for our sin in order to set us free. This is a legal, spiritual transaction that Jesus has made between you and I on the cross. Tells us this in 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. Knowing this, that we were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from our forefathers, we're ransomed, we're redeemed, we're rescued from our sinful ways that so come naturally to us. Anyone attest to that? A couple of us, thank you for being honest, a couple of you who are with me. But he did this not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. It wasn't bling that Jesus bought you with. It was what? It was his own blood. Here's a scriptural truth. The only currency that God would accept for the forgiveness of sins, God set the price of a sinner, and the price was the blood of a spotless sacrifice. Who could do that? Only Jesus Christ. The only currency that God would accept for the forgiveness of sins is the blood of a spotless sacrifice, Jesus Christ. So when Jesus died on the cross, his death and resurrection not only paid for my sin, they also provided me the spiritual court document that declares me innocent before God. The record of sin has been shredded. All prior convictions, guilty convictions, overturned, and a pardon has been officially signed to me on my behalf. This is what legally happened at the cross of Calvary. This is awesome, don't you think? Not only that, but when the pardon was given, you were legally adopted into God's family and legally your name was put on an inheritance with your God and King forever. All of this when I turn to Christ by faith. Christ has done it. Demands a response from me. Last one is this, number four. He has noble intentions for my life. We see this throughout the whole book of Ruth. We see this in Boaz. We see it so clearly in Jesus. Boaz, I love this guy. He had nothing impure, unhealthy, or evil about his intentions for Ruth. We don't know how some kinsmen redeemers would, would respond in this case. They're probably like, all right, I'll do it. I have to. And uh, Boaz had nothing but, I want to bring her in. I want to love her. I want to live life with her and provide for her family line and give her hope and a future. And quite honestly, Jesus has the same noble intentions in your life in dying on the cross. So often we think, oh, oh, oh Jesus might, must want me to come so he is, he's going to throw some extra rules on me or he's going to limit me somehow or, re, or, or be, redeem me to somehow for his own benefits and it's not going to really... We think that way sometimes, don't we? But that's not the way it is at all. Why does Jesus redeem you and I? That we might live in his love and be the recipient of all of his good purposes. Jesus rescues us from a life of emptiness and a life ultimately destined for hell. This is done. If anyone wants to know that, it's done. That hissing is going to drive me crazy. <laughs> Got done early, though. That's a good sign, right? Jesus rescues us with the intention of taking our emptiness and taking our eternal destiny that is headed for hell. Instead, he fills us with meaning and eternity for heaven. Don't, don't miss the good intentions of Jesus. He is replacing our hell with heaven. He's replacing our emptiness with a fullness. 
And his desire for you and I is the same desire that Boaz had for Ruth, that we would have spiritual blessing now and forevermore in Jesus Christ. Psalm 31 verse 19 says, there's abundant goodness stored up for those who fear him. Abundant goodness stored up for those who fear him. Know this this morning, it's not just Ruth and Naomi that have a redeemer. You and I have a great redeemer, Jesus Christ. The Keith Green song goes, there is a redeemer, Jesus, God's own son, precious lamb of God, Messiah, holy one. Let me pause for a minute and ask you this. Do you know the redeemer, Jesus, this morning? I'm not talking about knowing about Jesus. I'm talking, do you know Jesus Christ as your redeemer? Do you know the one who has bought you with a price? How do I know if I know? There's one way you can tell is if, if this stuff excites you, if this stuff is like, man, this just makes me want to love Jesus more and is stirring within me an affection for Jesus, good sign that you have met Jesus and the Holy Spirit is there. If, is there. And, and if you're one of those people that's like, oh, get through this, who cares, who cares, who cares? I never thought of Jesus, don't really care about Jesus, have no desire for Jesus, then, then maybe this is God bringing you face to face with your Redeemer and saying, please, I purchased you at a price, just come, repent of your sin in faith come to me that I might be your redeemer I don't know that in your heart only you know that I want to tell you this knowing about a redeemer is different than knowing a redeemer it's not just coming to church on Sunday it's not just saying all the right things and rattling off bible verses knowing a redeemer means that I know my heart is connected to the redeemer you know on the inside if you're made brand new and if you don't know on the inside whether you've been made brand new or not chances are you have not yet been made brand new Why do I tell you this? Because I don't want anyone to miss the point of Ruth. The point of Ruth is that you would all walk out of here today with a redeemer, Jesus Christ. Knowing this, point number two, not only is my redemption secured, but my restoration to God is fully assured. Your redemption is secure in Jesus Christ. As secure as Ruth's redemption was in Boaz, your redemption, if you're a believer, is secured in Jesus Christ. And not only that, your restoration to God is fully assured. Look at the verses 13 to 17. So here's what happened. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her. I don't have to explain that to you, do I? You get the Bible, what meaning of he went into her, do you understand? And the Lord gave her conception. If, that, if you don't know yet, that's what, <laughs> you putting two and two together with me? And she bore a son. And then get this, the women said to Naomi, like, can compare and contrast this from the first couple chapters of how Naomi was so down in the dumps and she was down in the mouth, nothing good to say. Listen to the, the prayer of blessing and the prayer of, of affirmation of her. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. It's for the fame of Jesus. We get this, right? Our redemption is for the fame of Jesus, not our fame. I love verse 15, so highlight this. Underline that, put a little star beside whatever you want. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you is more to you than seven sons. She has given birth to him. This whole idea here is like, wow, look at, look at Naomi's life. It went from like pretty good to like the worst, now to not even just pretty good, even better than before. This seven, better than seven sons. It's like she, this guy here is better than having a perfect family because he's gonna bring us Jesus Christ. 
So Naomi takes this child and puts him on her lap and becomes his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood, remember there, she's like, don't, don't say anything good about me, call me bitter. And they're saying, look it, a son has been born to Naomi. And they're rejoicing. I want you to see this, the restoration of the life of Naomi in this whole book. Naomi comes, becomes complete circle. She was with God under his sovereign protective care, chose to wander away from that. We know the consequences of that, but yet even in her bitterness and her lack of faith, God was maneuvering the details of her life all together to get her to be in a place where she is back under the care and the blessing of her heavenly father, no longer bitter, but sweet in Jesus. And she wasn't just restored to the same place, she was brought to even greater places than before. Don't you love in this how you read this and you see how God orchestrates and plans the details of every single one of his kids in his kindness and his mercy despite his kids and in spite of his kids? That's what God's done in Naomi's life. And then her life is completely transformed. It's completely different. It's turned upside down. You know what Naomi's life speaks to? It speaks to all those who have wandered away from the Lord. (laughs) That there is hope. And your God's kindness hasn't left you because you've wandered away from him. If you're truly a child of God, there is hope. If any of you are here and you've wandered away from God, and obviously you're here, it's like, well, I haven't wandered away from God, I'm here, but we know we can be in church and still our hearts can wander away from God. You know that, right? We can be doing all the right things and our hearts can still wander away from God. If you're here this morning and your heart has wandered and you're like, man, I remember what it used to be like when I was was fired up, but I I don't know that anymore. I don't feel that. There is hope that God can restore you to a place of absolute joy in him again. Naomi has proofed this, that God has a heart for the one that has left him for their own agenda. Has anyone here done that? God has a heart for the one who has left them for their own agendas. God has a heart for the one who finds an emptiness of the soul and a bitter heart. God has a heart for the one who struggles to to have faith in God's good plans and purposes for you. And there's never a place ever that you can get as a wanderer that God will not restore you as you turn to him by faith again. and puts you in a place of his protective covering and his care. Again. We see in the cross, Jesus has taken the first step forward and he says the cross is not gonna move, it's gonna be here forever. And he beckons, maybe some of us here today, if you've wandered, come back. Be like Naomi and just come back, humble yourself and come back. Admit your emptiness, admit your fallen state and just come back and again receive the fullness of Jesus in your lives. He's reached out to you today saying, reach out back to me. And then we see this whole same thing in Ruth. We see Ruth's complete, utter turnaround here. The reversal of fortunes. We see see this playing out in Ruth's life as well. This is the God at work story of the century. A foreign immigrant to the land, poor with nothing to offer, unwanted. And yet what did Boaz do? He loved her and he took her into his own and he gave her a whole new lease on life. New status, new identity, new purpose. 
If we're all Gentiles here, which I probably think we are, this is exactly what Jesus Christ has done for us. We are God at work stories. Foreigners born, into, born in a land of sin, in a land cursed by God, yet by God's providential circumstance, he has brought us face to face with the Savior, extended his hand of kindness and mercy to us, and said, if you'll take me, I welcome, I welcome you in, and I will also give you a new status. We can now function as a citizen of God's land. We have a new identity. We're loved and accepted as Ruth was loved and accepted as a wife and a mother, the place to belong. So we are loved and accepted as a child of God and a, a new purpose for all of us to live and love God and follow his great plans for our lives. Ruth speaks to the outsider Side note before we get there, do you realize that this is all Ruth's name, her name being friendship, being really played out and really seeing the full meaning of her name, friendship. She now has friendship with God, friendship with Boaz, friendship with Naomi, this lonely girl now showing the friendship of God. This is good news for the outsider. This is good news for all you who think, man, there's no way that God could ever accept me. There's no way that God could ever accept me. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how, how ugly my life has been. You don't know how empty it's been and how bitter I am and how sinful I am. And yet Ruth shows us that that's not the case with God. That is not the case with God. God leads you to a place where you are standing face to face with me right now in this place right now. You're standing face to face with Jesus Christ. He's, he's, he's got his arms wide open. He's saying, come, come, come. I can redeem your past. I can redeem your present. I'll redeem your future. Just come to me. Not for, for all the things you think I'm gonna give you. Just come to me for me is what you say because we have Jesus, we have everything. We don't need anything else but Jesus. And in Jesus, we have everything our souls ever longed for. Jesus is inviting you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, he's inviting you today to come and enjoy his love and his forgiveness and his presence forever. This is an offer that you won't find anywhere else in the world. And you, some of you have been looking for it for a long time. You're looking for it, you're looking for it, you're looking for it, you can't find it, it's found in Jesus. Get this, I have to clarify this, he's not promising you the world. He is the world he's promising you. It's not like if I come to Jesus, I get, I get, I get. If you come to Jesus, I get Jesus, and that is truly all that we need. I want to, we don't know what happens in Ruth's life after this, right? Like we, we don't see Ruth ever in the Bible again until, until Matthew chapter one, the genealogies. So we can sometimes come to the conclusion, this is great, she's gonna have the perfect life from here on out. I doubt that's the case. You know how I doubt that? Because the Old and New Testament both tell us that that's not the way it works with Jesus. But we have the assurance when we come to Christ, we have Christ for Christ. And he'll redeem us and restore us that his name might be famous in all the earth. This whole redemption story is ultimately about who? Jesus Christ. It's about the name of God being glorified. It was never intended for us to leave here going, ah, Boaz, Ruth, Naomi. It's meant to leave here going, Jesus. Look at the last few verses. I don't want you to miss these before we're done here. Ultimately, here's why Jesus draws us in to enjoy a relationship with him forever, but to also include me in God's grand story. It baffles me, but he wants to include us in his grand story of redemption throughout all of history. 
These are five significant verses that we often get to a genealogy. We just run through or skip over. We don't care what these guys are or who they are. But, but listen to the significance of, of this. This story is not about Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. They are not the story in and of themselves. They are part of the greater story of God's redemption. Now, these are the generations of Perez. I want you to notice who these people are because it tells you what kind of people God grafts into his story. Perez is the son of Tamar. Tamar tricked her father-in-law into conceiving a son with her, and you're thinking, how could anything good come out of that? Perez. If you were thinking, how could anything good come out of my life? Perez. He fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. I picture a little Bam Bam. Why would you name your kid Ram unless he was like a little Bam Bam? I guess Ram thought his name was too short, so he named his son Aminimadab. He fathered Nashon, who fathered him. Nashon was a fisherman because so he named his kid Salmon. <laughs> Salmon fathered Boaz. We don't know how he got that one. Boaz fathered Obed. Ruth's son is Obed. You know what his name means? Servant. He served the Lord humbly. There's really nothing else about Obed except he served humbly the Lord his whole life, which is a, a sweet way to live out God's plan for you. Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David, and then as that family tree goes, 25 branches down the line come Jesus Christ. Comes Jesus Christ. I love how God builds his family through the least expected people here on earth. It's encouraging, isn't it? I hope you wake up often with a sense of, why would you choose me, God? What do I have to offer? If you're waking up with this like, well, I know why you choose me. I know why you You missed the whole point. <laughs> because I get to do what I do, it's a weekly thing for me. It's like Saturday night. It's like, really, God, you would choose me to do this? Like, I can think of all the reasons why not to choose me. Why would you choose me? Why does he choose us to be a part of his grand story that, that we now have the blessing of now seeing other people be grafted into the family tree of God? Why does he choose us? So that his name can be most glorified. He chooses the weak things of this earth so people see us and go like, truly that has to be God because it can't be that joker standing at the front talking right now. And that's a good thing. God chooses regular, average foreigners like you and I with nothing to offer the unwanted, that he could perpetuate his plan on this earth that he might receive glory. And that is the ultimate purpose of our redemption. Don't miss it. That's the ultimate purpose of your redemption. Not now to sit in like, I'm, Ruth is not now, just, I, I'm Boaz's wife and I have all that I need and I'm so happy and I'm so content and I'm so comfortable. That's not it. We're not now, I'm a child of God, and I'm so happy, I'm so comfortable, I'm just going to stick to myself and live in my little thing here. No, our goal now, God saved us that we, could pro- that we could proclaim his name and see as many people grafted into his, his story as possible. Why does all this happen? Only because God's love and care and kindness to you and I. Why does Ruth find herself in God's story? Why does he find her name in the book of God? playing a major role in showing the world the full reality of Jesus because God's grace and God's kindness and God's sovereignty pulled her into his plan. Same reason he's pulled us into his plan. It's nothing we've done. It's not because we're smarter or better or more put together. It's because of God's kindness in us. This leaves us with two responses, simply. 
simply two responses. If you know this today, if you know that you're a saved, redeemed child of God, this should leave us with a sense of like, I can't wait to get out of here and live this. I can't wait to like dance out of this place. I know you don't dance, but you're allowed to dance out today. Just with the joy that I have a redeemer that's redeemed me, that's done all these things for me, and, and how can I repay God? I don't know, but I can sure worship him, and I can love him, and I can tell the world about him, and I'm not gonna waste this week on myself. I'm gonna spend it on Jesus Christ. I'm going to worship like never before now I have a clear picture of my Redeemer through Ruth 1 to 4. That's what God wants ultimately from us. Just, just worship. If you know this today, I pray this just spurs you on in your love and affection for Jesus Christ. This, that God does something in you that just takes you to the next level in your spiritual love for Jesus. And if you don't know this today, I just want to tell you this, that God's kindness is being offered to you in the same way that it was offered to Ruth and Naomi. And he is inviting you into a brand new life in Jesus Christ. He's done everything that it takes. All he's waiting for from you is simply the, I love you back. I need you, Lord. I want you, God, so that I can have fullness of purpose in this life and know what it means to really live, which is to pursue Jesus Christ. It's really that simple. But yet, how many of you would have come up with a story like this? How many of you would have come up with a story like this to show you the awesome reality of our Redeemer Jesus? Isn't God amazing? Isn't God so good? He didn't just do it. He's helped us see it in a clear way through his word. Let me pray this morning as we close. Wow, God, I thank you for this little book of Ruth, which... Honestly, so many of us just pass over and wonder what it really means to us. It has so much meaning and so much depth in our hearts and lives. God, I just want to pray specifically this morning for a couple groups of people in this place. One, God, is those who maybe know about Jesus but have never encountered the redeeming power of Jesus in their lives, have never encountered Jesus in a way that's totally changed their lives forever. Oh God, would you help them see now through the blindness, God, through the sin, would you help them see that this could be me, this is me. And God, would you remove any barriers in their hearts that would keep them from running to Jesus? Oh God, what do we have without Jesus? We have a life of emptiness and bitterness and destruction and despair and ultimately a life away from you in hell. But in Jesus, we have the opposite. We have sweetness and fullness. And a God who loves us in a place of belonging and a new status and a new identity. Oh God, may every person in this room know that they are found in Jesus today. God, for those in this room that have experienced this and wandered, God, I pray you'd bring them back. I pray you'd help them see, God, what they've been missing. I pray you'd help them see how empty they've become, how lost they are. And God, just humble them to the place where they're just willing to come. Not for any other reason, just to come and get Jesus because if we have Jesus, we have spiritual fullness. Bring back the wanderer today, God, I pray. And Lord, for those who know this and are living this and you're working in and you're showing yourself to on a daily basis, God, would you just protect them and keep this going? God, would you fuel them up even more to pursue you with all that they have? God, may we not get distracted with other things. May we have our eyes firmly on Jesus, firmly on the cross, and firmly on what you have done and what you are doing in our lives for your glory. And God, I pray you'd fill us with a love for Jesus, 
like we've never had before, the passion for your name, God, like we've never had before. Thank you, God, for this story. Thank you that you have sent Jesus, Boaz, to rescue Ruth, us, and that we have life eternal in Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. For more information, please visit our website, harvestniagara.ca.